Hello, this is Dr. Gary Miller, president of the University of Akron. We are honored to have you listen to our podcast series, Diverse Engineering, Women Engineers Through the Decades, which would not be possible without the generous support of our gold sponsors, Bridgestone Americas, Continental Contatech, and the GPD Group. Together with our community partners, we at the University of Akron are committed to the success of students from around the world and in our own backyard. We are especially proud of the contributions and successes that have resulted from the hard work, determination, and dedication of our women engineering students. Please enjoy our podcast. Welcome to Diverse Engineering, a podcast celebrating the contributions, stories, and voices of those who have been historically excluded and thus underrepresented in the fields of engineering. My name is Ebony Bond, and I am a 2018 mechanical engineering graduate of the notable University of Akron, and I will be your host for this podcast. This season is in honor of women in engineering through the last five decades. You can expect to hear about the foundation that each woman's career was built on, their experience as a woman in engineering, and about their current lives and hopes for the future. This episode titled, Look Mom, I Graduated, Now What? I'll be speaking with Deborah Falokun. Here's what you should know about Deborah. She works as a sustaining engineer for Cook Medical, focusing on the European Union medical device regulation efforts as it applies to labeling. Though she is loving industry, she is planning to go back to school to get her PhD and get experience in the pharmaceutical field. Deborah graduated in spring 2020 with her degree in biomedical engineering, specializing in biomaterials. We look forward to sharing Deborah's journey as a young engineer and definitely want to thank her for taking the time to speak with me and for representing the 2020s decade today. So my question for you is, in your childhood, were there any indications that you might go into engineering? Well, fun fact, my dad is a computer engineer, so he was always kind of pushing that towards me. But it almost backfired against him because now I hate coding because of it, because he was always trying to teach me how to code and things like that. And it was just too frustrating for me to get. So Mm -hmm. I was like, "Mm, maybe engineering is not for me. And then my mom, she's in the healthcare industry. So there was always that. And I was always kind of stuck between which one I could do. Mm -hmm. And I literally didn't even know what biomedical engineering was. I looked up engineering and healthcare sciences. Biomedical engineering came up and I was like, well, try it. Mm -hmm. And I love it. So when you looked it up and you actually started studying it, did it end up being what you thought it was based on what you looked up online or? I would say yes and no. What I looked up online was included in it, but I didn't realize how big it was and like kind of how new it was. I didn't realize there was different aspects. And that was the one of the main reasons why I chose Akron, because they had three different tracks. Mm-hmm. And to me, that was kind of like, wow, I didn't even realize that there were so many different ways you could use this degree in this field. So which track did you pick? Biomaterials. Why that one? I've always just loved like soft tissue in the body, you know, what the blood is made up of, weird stuff like that. Okay, weird stuff. <laughs> so, <Yeah>. You know. <laughs> interesting. Interesting. So, you know, you said you looked at different schools. University of Akron had these three tracks and you decided to come here. What are some of your most fond memories of being a student here at the notable University of Akron? I can just remember all the times I used to spend studying up in the ideas room, meeting people. There are so many different nights I can remember us being in there. So that was really great. Meeting the people and Heidi. Yeah. Shameless plug. I I love her. I had to throw that in there. Yeah. 
Um, <laughs> how do you think like your experience as an engineering student differed from students of other majors? At first, I really wasn't focusing on my experience being different from other majors as much as other engineering majors. But my best friend on campus, she came here too. She was a fashion major. I did notice she had to write a lot more papers than I did, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which I'm so grateful that I didn't have to write papers because mm-hmm. I could never. Yes. But there was a lot more papers. I know she had a lot more group projects, whereas mm-hmm. our projects, they weren't really like group projects where you had to give a presentation, but we had teams and we had those technical projects. So I noticed some differences there too. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You mentioned, you know, being very happy that you met Heidi. Were there any like programs that you were involved in in school and which ones did you like? So I did get involved on campus. I was involved in a lot of extracurricular clubs and events. But I would say other than the ideas program, the other program that I liked that was academic was the STEM program. And they forced you to kind of go to the the social cultural events. Mm -hmm. But I would say is it important for them to take like bring us out of our shell because there were a lot of introverted kids and people mm-hmm. who were kind of like very academically focused. Mm-hmm. And I think forcing us to take that first step is really what helped me get closer with all those people. So, mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. I really love that. But I also was involved in a few clubs on campus. Mm-hmm. I started a club 3D4E my freshman year. That was definitely an experience, yeah. but I really loved the 3D printing class I think we took. I think uh-huh. it was like one third of the class that we took. And like, I was like, you know what? There are no clubs for this. I want to do this in my free time. So started that. And that was, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. So what was it like starting a club? And did you know that you could start a club? Well, I don't know if they do it now, but I remember taking a tour here and the tour guide was like, we have this many amount of clubs. And if you can't find anything, it was like a joke. He said, if you can't find anything out of the 200 clubs that we have or whatever number he said, you can start your own. And I don't know, that sentence stuck with me. And when I didn't see the 3D printing club I wanted, I started it. Yeah. He made it sound so easy. Yeah. <laughs> so was I was like, easy? why not? <laughs> it wasn't as easy as he made it seem, but there were a lot of helpful people on campus. Yeah. That yeah. would help me out. Yeah. Cool. So lots of support here at the University of Akron. Yeah. You mentioned the STEM program, you know, hanging out and ideas. Do you ever like imagine what it would have been like possibly without those programs or think about what kind of student you would have been? Oh, gosh. Oh. It would have been impossible. I started off even before coming here. Through the STEM program, I was able to take three classes the summer before my freshman year. And they forced us to study, I think, every day for like three or four hours, every mm-hmm. single day after <laughs> class. And I was like, why do I have to be in a room for three hours? Because I would get my homework done. I'd like, I want to go on campus. You know, I want to feel like an adult independence, you know. But mm-hmm. that forcing me to like study really taught me how to control like myself in certain areas mm-hmm. and kind of also have that balance that sometimes is hard to achieve when you're coming from a set schedule to creating your own schedule. Mm-hmm. So I'm really appreciative for that. Mm-hmm. I don't even know if I would have made it through. Really? Yeah. Meeting the people, learning the skills and everything. I feel honestly like all those programs made it so much easier. There's so much support at Akron. So speaking of support, were there any people who you felt like helped you as far as like being a coach or a mentor? And what was that like? Yes, we were assigned mentors in that same program, the same summer program. And even onward after that, we were assigned mentors. And I remember my mentor, Simone, I love her to this day. She gave me so much advice. She was always just great at listening. I would come in every day talking about something minuscule that happened in my life. Mm -hmm. And she would just listen and she would kind of like nudge me in the right direction and be understanding. And I really appreciate her to this day. (laughs) So was she also a student? Yeah, she was a student. Yes. Yes. Did you find like any mentorship in any professors? 
No, I didn't. I didn't have any mentorship till later down the line. It wasn't until my senior year that I kind of opened up to my professors. I think that was a skill that I didn't acquire until later, which is why I advocate for it now, because I didn't speak to my professors. I was scared of them, honestly, or I thought that they wouldn't be helpful. So I just was like, it's no, there's no point. But later, they helped me a lot. Later, so How did you finally like open up or go about like trying to make mentors out of professors? There was one semester, I think it was uh, my junior year in I was really like struggling and like people were pushing me like, did you talk to them? Did you talk to them? And I was I was like, yeah, I'll talk to them. I'm sure Heidi was one of the people that was like, are you send them an email? And I was like, yeah, sure. I was also the kid that didn't read her emails either. Like my inbox was <laughs> full. I was every professor's nightmare, basically, <laughs> in terms of communication. But I think it was another student telling me how like it was something crazy how they were about to fail and like the professor basically kind of helped them and they were able to pass the class. And mm-hmm. it was something in my mind, it was something that seemed impossible and like almost undeserving. Like I thought that that only mm-hmm. happened to students that were already like favorites or that they were already doing well in the class. Mm-hmm. But this was a person that in the class, I saw that they would, didn't attend that much or anything and they were still giving grace. Mm-hmm. So after that semester, I was like, you know what? Let me bite the bullet you know, swallow my pride a little bit mm-hmm. and go into the professor's office. Mm-hmm. So, so started it. Yeah, I'm glad that you mentioned that, you know, you thought that you were like undeserving mm-hmm. of the help or assistance and you still went and like went for it. I think that's probably a lot of people like you feel like you have to be perfect to be worthy of something. Right. And mm-hmm. sometimes starting late, you feel like, oh, well, I should have gone three weeks ago and I never went. So let me just, yeah. you know, instead of letting anyone know that I'm struggling and also not being where I'm on, I'll just continue to struggle. I would say, regardless, take that pride, mm-hmm. put it in the drawer, mm-hmm. go to that professor, whether it's week three or week seven or week mm-hmm. nine, mm-hmm. and say, hey, I'm really struggling. And people will help people. Mm-hmm. Most people will help people. Mm-hmm. So, so your professors are willing to help, here to help. Yes, <laughs> they are here to help. Oh, <laughs> They're not going to judge you because you didn't go to class. They may give you a little look at first, but then after that, they'll help you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, are there any tips that you would give to an aspiring engineering student? First, get a mentor. Okay. The first day, make sure you know the campus. It makes you know the programs. It makes sure you have your support system already from day one. Go meet the professor, even if you're doing well. Even if the class is, seems like it's going to be easy, just go to the office one time within the first two weeks. And then make sure you're involved with people in class and making sure you have that system intact. And now that you've met the professor the first time, the professor knows your name, the professor knows your face, it's going to be easier for you to go when you're struggling, whether it's mm-hmm. week five or week seven mm-hmm. or week nine. So in coming into school, did you have any ideas about what it meant for you to be a woman or to be a black woman going into studying engineering? So I already knew I was going to stand out, but it was something I was used to because in my high school, we got the opportunity to take some engineering class. I think it was one or two engineering classes and it was all white men. I mean, I love everyone, but yeah. that's just what it was. Yeah. So I was kind of expecting that already. And I was kind of used to being like the lone chocolate chip. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of interesting, actually, when the opposite happened and I started to notice more people. I was a little apprehensive sometimes with group projects, more so than like my relationship with my professors, because I felt sometimes that the other students would kind of have these pre-made notions. And mm-hmm. so it would be hard to sometimes get my ideas heard and mm-hmm. be that voice and mm-hmm. get these students to recognize because some people don't recognize when they're cheating you different even though they should right so kind of addressing that head on and always giving people grace but making sure that you're staying there instead of letting that push you back mm-hmm. I would say that's mm-hmm. one thing that I learned so speaking up giving grace both of them together 
Yeah, together. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like that. When you tell people you're an engineer, what kind of response do you get? I got a surprise all the time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Especially because I don't I still dress like I'm a college student. So yeah. <laughs> I remember I was walking into the mall and I wanted to get a purse and I walked into I think Kate Spade. Uh-huh. And like the lady was like, What do you do? <laughs> I'll bet. Yeah. And I was like, Oh, I'm an engineer, you know, I just graduated. And she immediately took me to the back. She said, This person would be great for you. <laughs> but at the yeah. first she was kinda at the door like, like, What hmm, you doing? Hmm, yeah. All those sweats. But yeah, that was interesting. How does that make you feel when you feel like people respect you more because of the engineering thing and not just because, like, who you are as a person? I don't like it sometimes. Like, I appreciate the sentiment, but in some situations, it can be almost like a slap in the face because mm-hmm. what about the people that aren't engineers? I still think that they should be treated with grace, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Writers are smart, mm-hmm. you know? Artists mm-hmm. are smart. Mm-hmm. So as much as I appreciate, like, the approval and the congratulations, it would be nice for it to just be like the same treatment across the board for everyone. As a black woman, what has been your experience as a young professional? So it's interesting because when I tell people I'm celebrated because people know it's like a bigger accomplishment because I'm black and there are not as many black people in industry and there's not many women in industry. So it's like a very celebrated thing for people to hear I'm an engineer. But Mm -hmm. when I walk into industry, sometimes I do feel like I get a little bit of that question or a little bit of that expectation for me to prove myself a little bit Mm. I don't know if that's something I'm putting on myself or if that's something I'm getting from industry but sometimes I do feel like there's a little bit more of an expectation to prove myself versus kind of like an expectation that I know what I'm talking about do you feel like there are any ways that you could have been like better prepared going into being you know a young professional particularly as a black woman I would say the big thing that I would appreciate is the same support that you get in college Mm. like that network of women, mm-hmm. people understanding, like even just people that are starting off like into industry, just people that are having the same questions, same doubts, same confusion as you. And then people that have kind of maybe just got crossed over that, that they can give advice mm-hmm. kind of that thing. I know that's a little bit harder to get when you're a professional and all you do is you go to your job, especially in the pandemic. And I work from home. So mm-hmm. there's not really any space you could run into someone that happens to be another black female engineer. Mm-hmm. What has been like the most significant like sexism or racism or discrimination that you have faced? I don't think I have a specific experience, but I think a lot of it is kind of covert. Just Mm -hmm. little things here and there. As bad as it sounds, a lot of times I try to give people the benefit of the doubt. So I may not outright say something, oh, I feel like he did that because I'm black. Like I may just Mm -hmm. think that in the back of my head and I'll be like, oh, I hope that wasn't because of that. But Mm -hmm. Sometimes there are little, like, covert things that happen, and I'm like, hmm. A lot of times the issue doesn't persist. For example, like, I wouldn't accuse you of saying, oh, you're being racist today. I would say, I don't like this behavior, yeah. if that makes sense. Because yeah. I don't want to assume the worst in people. But, right. I mean, there are some things that I could probably say were, but nothing, like, specific that I like to remember or think about. Yeah, that's a very humane way to to go about it, I think. I'll be like, hmm, I don't, are you doing this to be weird? Like, I'll just ask straight up, like, are, why do you do this? And yeah. a lot of people, it may get them to stop and think and a lot of people will stop doing it or stop doing it to me. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah, that's really wise. Our conversation with Deborah Falokun will return in a moment. But first, I want to thank you for listening to this diverse engineering podcast series. My name is Keridan Morgan, and I'm able to attend the University of Akron because of the Women in Engineering scholarships that I have received. 
These scholarships, which are offered through the College of Engineering and Polymer Science, make a huge impact in my academic success by reducing my financial need. If you would like to make a difference in another female engineering student's academic career, please text WIE to 71777 or give online at uakron.edu forward slash giving forward slash WIE. You know, with graduating, you just recently graduated. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Where did you feel as graduation approached? I didn't feel graduation actually for a while because we all got sent home in March. Mm-hmm. And even after like the last day of classes, I still had to finish some things up from my honors paper. Mm-hmm. So like when I stopped, I just kind of stopped and I was like, I don't have a job. So then I just started looking for a job. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So I didn't I don't think I really ever stopped to celebrate it. My family did. My dad said it to me for like months. He was like, Oh my gosh, my baby's an engineer every time he passed me. And I was just kinda like, Yeah, whatever. <laughs> to me it didn't feel real until I got that offer letter and I was like, Wait, I'm an engineer. Oh wow. <laughs> this is crazy. Oh wow. So what was the transition like going from being a student to being a job seeker? Oh my gosh. It was so difficult. Yeah. I'm typically hard on myself, harder than I need to be. So I'm aware of that, but I just didn't expect it to take so long mm-hmm. and I wasn't giving myself grace. It takes an average of six months. I didn't even know that it takes people an average of six months to get into industry normally. Mm-hmm. So after like week four mm-hmm. and like rejection number two, I was like, mm-hmm. I'm not an engineer. Oh my gosh. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. People have been lying to me my whole life. I don't know what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Like, what am I even doing here? So that was really hard. I'm not going to lie. And I didn't want to tell anyone because then I didn't want to. I felt like if I spoke about it, it would make it real. Mm-hmm. So that was really hard. Mm-hmm. Felt like it was like identity crisis number two. Yeah. <laughs> what was the number two? I mean, college, you know, uh. it's like oh, a given. <laughs> <laughs> so usually like, it was hard and you didn't want to say it because it would be like become like more real or something. But like what was like the hardest part? I felt like I was letting everyone down that like got me to that point I feel like a lot of my success was based on other people so it just felt like I was letting everybody down and I was like oh my gosh what are they gonna say like I can't believe that I went through all this I thought I was this I'm not like people did all this for nothing everyone that believed in me was like wrong Mm -hmm. oh wow that's a lot to have to shoulder yeah it was (laughs) (laughs) how did you cope with that or like turn it around So there was a lot that happened throughout that year, too. So I really wasn't addressing the problem. And then some problems resolved themselves and kind of forced me to deal with things. Typically, when I'm going through something, I'll like won't acknowledge it. And then after the fact, I'll be like, hmm, I was this, this and this. I was definitely what I was telling everybody I wasn't. (laughs) I don't really know exactly what got me out. I am a Christian, so I prayed a lot. My friends were always there making me laugh. I think it was just taking the time to enjoy the little things and kind of just letting life take its course. I think eventually towards the end, I was talking to people more and saying, oh, I feel like this and I feel like that. Mm -hmm. So that probably definitely helped. Mm -hmm. But it wasn't like one particular moment or one thing that I could point out. Mm -hmm. So you said that the pandemic tried your mental health in ways that you didn't expect it and it led you to understand people in in our minds more. (laughs) <laughs> what has that journey been like and what has been your biggest lesson? Going into the pandemic, I think, so first of all, my grandma died like a couple months after like our my graduation date was supposed to be the original one and she was supposed to be here. So that was really hard for me to deal with. And then like my relationship was not going well at the time either. So 
I think my dad put this expectation on me too, but I kind of expected to get a job and I didn't. So those three things were kind of weighing heavily on me. And then obviously COVID-15, everybody gained that. And I was just like, oh my gosh, I was supposed to be losing weight. Because right before the pandemic, I was working out. I was applying to jobs. I was on campus in my own apartment. And then within like a few months, I was at home, no job, no classes I'm taking, not doing anything. I felt like alone. And so for some reason, I started watching like, those psychology videos on YouTube, like, what do you do when this happens? Or why do people act like this? And it really made me understand, like, how loneliness can affect people. Because I have a big family. I had, like, I think five people in the house. I wasn't by myself. Mm -hmm. But it felt like I was more alone than if I was alone. Mm -hmm. So I think that made me think more about people and how mental health can be. Because usually I feel like people get depressed when, things go bad, really. Like, you lose all your money, you lose your house, you're out on the street, literally. But I didn't think that it could sneak up on things that I felt were, like, not big to the world. Like, the world didn't stop. So why do I feel like this? A lot of questions, a lot of thinking, a lot of talking to people. <laughs> I remember talking to you before you graduated, and you were telling me how much you learned, you, you realized that you loved research. Mm-hmm. How did you get into research, and what was that experience like? So the weird thing is, I didn't realize that I liked research until like I was in my last semester. I don't really have any experience like that, mm-hmm. but I always knew I loved labs. So I took three or four different labs basically. And I loved them. People hated labs. I didn't understand. I was it. about to say, <laughs> and my face is over here like, what? I, what? So it was a class at a lab. I'm like, Lord, just let me get through it. Oh, no. I love lab. Anatomy anatomy and physiology was great. Oh, my gosh. I was living my best life at AAP. <laughs> I loved labs. I don't know why. I don't know why it didn't click for me before. But also, my first biomedical engineering co-op, we were in a lab, technically, because they had a lab there. And I was helping with, like, their R&D research. And I think that's what really clicked for me. And I was like, hmm, I could see myself doing this. So mm-hmm. I think that all kind of had it in the back of my mind. And when I got into the industry, I got into a good job that had to deal with medical devices. And I was like, I don't think that I could see myself doing this long term. But then when I thought about grad school, I was like, hmm, I want to go back to school, which mm-hmm. I was out of school. I thought I would never want to go back to school. Mm-hmm. So here I am taking the GRE or practicing for the GRE, preparing for grad school. And I'm oh, like, wow. wow, I didn't think that this would happen. Are you going into grad school so you could do research? Yes. Okay. I want to go for my PhD and do some research. What excites you the most about research? What is it? Well, to talk about that, I'd have to talk about what type of research I like. I really like what I majored in, dealing with biomaterials and drug load delivery. And then there's also a part of me that wants to see if we can actually clone body parts, make an artificial heart grow themselves. I just have this interest in how things become. How do cells work? How do we grow things? I think I just like having the ability to think like that because in a lot of those lab classes, you have to think like, oh, how does it apply? You know, what can we use this for? That part of my education I miss the most. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you want to go into, you know, grad school, get your PhD. You want to do this like super important work in research. Mm-hmm. Do you view yourself as a role model? No, and it's weird because I was talking to my friend the other day and he was like, you know that people look up to you now. Aww. He said that and I was like, ah, yeah, right. Like me. Yeah. <laughs> but I think that made me start thinking about it. And I've always loved like mentoring. I have two mentees now and I just love talking to them and giving them advice and hearing their stories. Mm-hmm. And I always feel like I'm learning as much from them as like I'm giving mm-hmm. to them. Like I feel like mm-hmm. I'm 
taking more than I'm giving to them, mm-hmm. but they're always telling me, like, that bro, you give such great advice. <laughs> and I'm just like, I was just listening to you tell your stories. <laughs> but um, it's still weird for me to think that I'm, like, a role model. I don't know. I don't know about role model. I just like to help people. <laughs> Why? Why is it weird? I don't know. I just feel like I don't have that much knowledge yet. Like, all the knowledge I have, you could Google it. <laughs> <laughs> That's literally true for every single thing in the world. That's, like, how people get information is from resources. I mean, true, but yeah. I don't know. It just feels a little weird. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Maybe when I get, like, late 20s, I'll feel comfortable. Yeah. Okay, Ms. Romano. So, you say you have two mentees now. How did you go about getting mentees? Well, Heidi helped me. She gave me my first mentee, and I loved her. We ended up being really similar, and she was interested in research, too, and I felt like this is my chance. So that was great. And she's she's a sweet girl. I love her. She always tells her stories. I tell my stories, you know. Mm-hmm. So that's been great. And then my second mentee was actually an old friend. And I think I mentored her for a little bit right before I graduated. I think she called me up one day to ask me something about a co-op. And I told her this, this, and that. And she was like, we should talk more often. I know you're not getting paid for it. And I was like, yes, girl. I don't mm-hmm. do anything. Mm-hmm. You call mm-hmm. me. I'll talk to you all day. <laughs> I tell cool. people I talk too much. So, you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, Yeah. So I think that's what made me realize how much I like mentoring. Mm-hmm. And I actually want to find a way to give back more. Yeah. So I'm definitely on the lookout for that. But I love being around the young minds. Uh-huh. Well, there's a, <laughs> a Women in Engineering Scholarship Fund that's associated with this podcast. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I and, and I do want to add that I think that you're very inspiring. I love to see you on the Internet living your best life <laughs> and like very free. Yeah. Yes, yes. Like whenever I see you on social media, I don't know if you know I'm like, I always share all your pictures of my story. I'm like, everybody needs to see this fabulousness. Oh my God. Uh, <laughs> well, so, thank yes. you. Now you're a mentor, but you know, you also have mentors. Is there any advice that they gave you that you feel like sticks out to you? Everyone always tells me to not be so hard on myself. That's something that I've learned to deal with, like kind of deal with problems, but in a way that doesn't like stop me from moving forward. Mm-hmm. So I'm always so hard on myself. I'm always so absolute, like, oh my gosh, I got to see on this homework. I'm failing the class. I flunked out of school. It's over. That's my mentality. And I got to get talked off the cliff. You know, then I call my friend. Or I'll call Heidi. And I'll tell her. She'll be like, you want to get some food? <laughs> <laughs> food does make everything. No, food makes everything so I much people better. people I can call and their response is, do you want to get some food? People I call, they just say something like, you're tripping. They don't oh, really? offer me food. Oh, wow. <laughs> well, call me. Okay. I'll be like, you want to get ice cream? <laughs> what do you envision like for your future? I envision myself like in the next two years being in school, but I don't mm-hmm. really think much past that. That's all you need to think about. Yeah. I just envision me being happy. Okay. Whatever I'm doing. Okay. Being happy, doing something. So my final question, you had, you know, this time in the pandemic and in between, you know, securing a job. Have you picked up any new skills or hobbies? Well, I found out that I'm not trash at painting and I can crochet now. So I left it in the car, but I'm starting a blanket. I'm trying to get back into roller skating. I've fallen once and I'm like, on the way to buy some skates. So okay. that might be a new skill. Maybe okay. if I don't fall the next time. But <laughs> inline skates or the quads? The quads. Okay. Floor. Yeah. Okay. I don't, I They're have no quads. balance, girl. I yeah. cannot do the inline skates. Oh, yeah. I think butt. you need strong ankles for that. Yeah. Or I don't know. I need strong, I don't have it. Whatever you need. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have it. <laughs> yeah. No. Skating, I thought it was just like super fun because like in my childhood, I did it a lot. And right. I went to do it as an adult mm, two years ago now. 
And it was, Isn't not, it crazy? It was a workout. No. My quads were on fire. No, it's a workout and it's not a skill that you keep. Because I used to skate when I was younger. <laughs> right. You I don't. used to be a beast. It's I not... used to be on there doing circles, like wheelies around people, back skating and everything. I had these beautiful black skates. I was over here just whipping it. And I was like, you know, I'm going to try. And like, I stepped out and like, I almost lost my ankles, my wrists, <laughs> my knees, everything. Just I, Me too. I almost came apart. <laughs> Me too. And I was like, it was what? so bad. Yeah. And then I'm stubborn and I can't like, that's not going to like, I, you're telling me I can't skate? Are you serious? Yeah. So I kept going back. Are there any last sentiments or advice that you would like to share? To the 20 year olds, you're doing fine. Okay. Like, People say that all the time, but I'm telling you because I needed to hear it and I didn't want to hear it. You're doing fine. I know there's an expectation sometimes to like invest and have millions and have the house and the car already and you graduated. What's going on? Why don't you have everything yet? But doing fine. To the people that are younger than that, to the college students and to like the high school students, talk to us. We're not scary. And we, we want to tell you about our life experiences and it will help you when you're coming up. All right, well, I want to thank you so much for your time here today, Deborah. Thank you for having you me. You have made me and your father very proud oh of you being an engineer. <laughs> thank you so much for tuning in to this season of Diverse Engineering. Until next time, keep rising. We hope that you've enjoyed listening to this episode of Diverse Engineering, Women Engineers Through the Decades. I want to thank Bridgestone Americas, Continental Contatech, and the GPD Group for their generous support of this podcast series. If you'd like to help ease the financial burden of our diverse students within the Women in Engineering program, please consider donating. We need the help of community sponsors and listeners like you to support our Women in Engineering program. To donate, text WIE to 71777 or give online at www.uacron.edu slash giving slash WIE. Lastly, thank you to podcast host Ebony Bond, podcast editor David Campbell, WZIP manager Chris Kepler, and the College of Engineering and Polymer Science for making this podcast a reality. This has been Dr. Gary Miller, president of the University of Akron. Remember to aim high and rise higher. Go Zips.